0: You're listening to the CISO Talk Podcast. No sales, no bullshit, just straight talk. Straight talk. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. What's up, CISO Talk fans? Welcome to today's podcast. This is episode one. 100. I never thought I'd make it here. Joining me is my dear, dear friend. One of my favorite people who I do a podcast with every single week live on LinkedIn on CISO Thursdays. The one, the only, the legendary Naomi Buckwalter. What's
1: up, James? It's so good to be here. I'm just impressed you're not sick of me yet. So thanks for having yeah. me. 100th congratulations.
0: 100. I can't believe it. I'm so psyched about it. It's, uh, it's a milestone. I never thought when I started this podcast, like two years ago, I never in my life thought I'd get to a hundred.
1: Hey, good things happen when you put in the effort, right?
0: Yeah. I guess oh. people actually listen.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now you're getting sponsors, you know, yeah, right. going big time.
0: It's, 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 yeah. Pretty soon. Uh, you know, um, this podcast will be, a, uh, hopefully a, a mainstay for those that, that really want to hear the thoughts of the practitioners. So, You're joining me on today's episode, but before we do that, I want to do, I want to give a a, a quick shout out to our sponsors, Listic and No Before for supporting the show. Thank you so much for your support, guys. Check them out. They're linked in the bottom of the podcast so you guys can check out all the cool stuff they do by you actually checking out our sponsors. I get to keep doing a hundred more episodes, so (laughs) thank you. Um, So Naomi, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm just so honored to be here.
0: Like six months ago, I think a little over seven months ago, I think it was May, that yeah. we recorded our first podcast for the last two months. Has it been two three months we've been doing the CISO Thursday? It's, it's been fun. Those
1: are, uh, those are really good. And I love how you speak your mind, James. And that's why I appreciate you because you don't you don't fill in the echo chamber with more just echoes like you actually come in with a voice and you're like, no, actually that's bullshit. You know, like, and we'll be like, yeah, actually, you know what, James, you're right. You know? So I appreciate that point of view. We don't hear it enough. Uh, That's what I want to hear more of. Like just people and be like, let's talk about this one issue and why it's terrible. And everyone else is saying that it's not terrible. Like I like that.
0: Yeah. Well, we're recording this. It's Monday. This is going to be out on Wednesday, but I want to say this. We, I, my big mouth at the end of December, I opened my big-ass mouth like I usually do, and I issued a challenge, and I said, we want to get 10 people hired in January, right? We wanted to help 10 people who had a hard time breaking into InfoSec find a way through. And you jumped on board, and you championed this effort, right? Like, now, as of this morning, two people have been hired. Two people yes. have jobs thanks to these efforts. Like,
1: chills. yeah. Like,
0: Like, that's two families, that's two people, that's a community. Like, people don't understand what one job means.
1: Oh, my God, you're so right. But, like, for every one of those, I I get, like, 10 messages. People are desperate for jobs, and they're just giving up in some cases. And I just – my heart just breaks every time. Like, what am I going to do? I just don't have enough time to help you, and I'm so, so sorry. Um, and I literally just I feel helpless. And um, but just getting that message yesterday and today where two people got jobs and I'm like thank you for your help. And here's the thing, James. Like it wasn't my review. Like I did a handful, but I think what it was it was like watching the videos that we did on See so Thursdays with Renee, and uh, they got something out of it. I'm so so psyched.
0: Yeah, they not only got something out of it. Um, I, I've been doing about I've I do about four calls a day with people who are looking for work now right? So I, I did one earlier before you and I spoke with someone who, like the difference between his CV on Friday or Thursday of last week when we looked at it to today, night and day, like this guy is going to land his role. And here's the interesting aspect. A lot of these people we I speak with, and I don't know about you, they're not young people. Like, they're people in their 40s and 50s. They're looking at a career change. They're realizing that what they did before just wasn't fulfilling. And they see some sort of mission in cyber. Like, and that's the cool part, right? Like, the biggest gap we have today in cyber is middle management roles.
1: Yeah, mid-senior. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: So, like... You know, these are the people who can come and fill those roles.
1: Yeah. And I have the data to back it up when I did the poll of actually, no, I just pulled in a thousand job posts over on LinkedIn and I just analyzed them and I'm like, well, you know, a good 40, 50% of them are for that mid-senior role. Uh, (laughs) And then you're getting like the number of people applying. So part of the data LinkedIn has is like number of applications per role. Um, And then you would just see the skew of like more of the senior level people are doing the CISO level and the C-level roles. Like there's vastly more uh, applications to those really high level roles. But then when it comes to like the mid-senior, you would be surprised. Like the average is like 15. It's like super, super low. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird, you know.
0: Well, you know, when they say everyone wants to play Major League Baseball. No one wants to play in the league the the, right?
1: Yeah, that's kind of what it is. <laughs> like, yeah, like there's a, so I'm saying the C-level and then the director level, like those two are the higher levels. They had the highest number of applications. Then you bring it down to the mid-senior, which is like right above entry level, right? And then that's when you see that very low number of applications. And I was surprised. There's a lot about that data that surprised me.
0: Yeah, th- th- there is. Let's talk a little bit about, so episode 100, this is the first episode of January 2021 for CISO talk as well. Let's do a little 2020 review.
1: Hello, where do we start? Oh. Right?
0: So, <laughs> I, you know, we kind of have to go and look back and we're not going to focus too much of the episode looking back. We'll probably spend the next 10 minutes talking about back and we'll talk about uh, looking back at 2020 and we'll talk the rest of the time, we'll talk about 2021 and 2022 and so forth and all that good stuff, but... What are some of your takeaways from, from, you know, 2020?
1: Oh, man, I don't know. Where do I even start? Jeez, like COVID absolutely destroyed every any kind of plan that we had, you know, on your roadmap. So if you had a roadmap, you just rip it up, because there's other more important things in life, right? Um, But eventually we saw that security is still really important, even more important now that everyone's working from home. Your laptop is basically a server. So now you've got all these extra endpoints attached to your network. So people understand now that security is everyone's responsibility. And if you didn't get that message before COVID, you absolutely got that after COVID or during COVID.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's very interesting. I feel like every. Big breach though gets you to throw away your roadmap, right? Like think of like solar winds. Solar winds made a lot of people rip up their plans into shreds.
1: Yeah, yeah, and people and we're still trying to figure out the like the result of that, right? Like new TTPs are coming out. I think um, U.S. Search just came out with a bulletin last Friday with more information about the breach. So I'm like, oh, great, this is still being uncovered. So- yeah, they,
0: they were using like password uh, uh, spraying and, and, and credential stealing to access people who weren't within the Orion, the SolarWinds Orion platform to begin with. So, yep. Yep. yeah, they, they were they were sophisticated. Let me ask you this, though, controversial as it may seem, is it one threat actor or multiples in your opinion?
1: Oh my gosh! See, I don't want them to hunt me down. No,
0: right. You don't have to say who you think it is. Do oh, okay. Thank one you. One actor um, or multiple?
1: Well, I think there's multiple actors. I don't know if they even knew that each other were in there. So I think that's interesting. They weren't working in cahoots for sure. Like, um, but I think there's more than one. How about you?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's been. It's. Uh, I. I think it's multiples. Multiples. I, I, well, I'll tell you this. I came under the original kind of concept, and I've been very vocal about this, that I thought everyone pointing the finger at Russia doesn't make it Russia. I think a lot of people who say it's Russia are – you know, it's kind of like an investigator. I watched a really cool documentary over the weekend, and and, and I'll I'll explain it. I watched the Amanda Knox documentary. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Uh, I don't know if people remember who Amanda Knox was. So Amanda Knox was an American student who was in an exchange program uh, in college in Italy. And after arriving like five or six days, like a week or two in Italy, her British roommate was brutally murdered oh,
1: that's right, in yeah. her
0: apartment. Mm. And she was charged her and her boyfriend and another guy were charged with murder.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: And this documentary is great because Amanda's being interviewed interviewing it, Raphael, the police, the prosecutor, the investigators, the forensics. And I got to tell you, watching that prosecutor going, it's got to be her. Now, why is it her? Well, she wasn't acting normal after the murder. Okay. She was hugging and kissing her boyfriend and she was doing cartwheels and she was stretching while police were, you know, kind of ransacking the crime scene. So that makes her, I guess, a sadistic, what she came out to be in the press and by the, by the prosecution was she was this Sexual deviant, sadistic murderer, because of those things, right? And that's all the prosecutor, that's all the investigators and the prosecutors care to look at was well, she's doing cartwheels, I'm kissing her boyfriend, she must have murdered her, right? Like, and I feel like we're doing this that like investigators in this case are doing the same thing. Look, a little bit of Russian code, it must be Russia, and I'm like. How about we like examine the facts before we go down that route like maybe a little bit
1: uh, is the Kremlin doing cartwheels right now I mean I haven't <laughs> I haven't checked
0: I don't know what the Kremlin's doing um you know i I don't know what the Kremlin is doing but the, you know in in cyber it's we see one piece of code right we see one little thing and then that becomes the, the path of the investigation, but I can buy Russian code tomorrow, right now in 10 minutes on the dark web and I can use it to break into any business. Does that make it Russia?
1: No, no, you're right. That's what the dark web is for. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's what the dark web is exactly for. So I don't know. I I feel like it's multiple nation state actors with a bunch of criminal entities that took advantage of stuff that goes on because guess what hackers do better than we do?
1: No idea. What
0: communicate better than we do.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I see.
0: They share information way better than we do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. Can't tell anyone about our phones, you know?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, this morning on the practitioner brief, I spoke about three things we did on our end with solar winds. Cause I just wanted to put it out there.
1: Yeah, that's good. Not a lot of companies will do that. Like, we talk about our vulnerabilities, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, that would be terrible. You know, you need an NDA at least, and you can only share it once. Mm.
0: And you can only share it in one way, and it can't get out. Yeah. And I saw that I remember I had on the podcast um, a while ago, about a year and a half ago, I had John Felker on, formerly of CISA. Um, He ran the NKIC at the time, which was the information sharing center between private and public. And having John on, one of the things John said is he goes, every alert we'd get from Enterprise would be classified a top secret. <laughs> so anything that comes in as top secret requires three pairs of eyes to look at it before mm-hmm. it gets out. So it takes it a week or two to get out. But if it just comes out as confidential and just... <laughs> Get rid of your name on the alert, right? Get rid of your company name, oh, what industry you're in, mm-hmm. and share it as confidential. It'll go out to everyone within hours.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But everyone, it seems like everyone in cyber is like, this is top secret. And it's like, no, guys, it's not. We don't have to be top secret, right? We can I agree.
1: Be, yeah, I agree. We
0: we, we can be, we can, we can share more information. We
1: can. Yeah, without the shame either, because we're all afraid of the shaming and blaming at the end of the day, like, oh, we'll never get another job in InfoSec if we, we share all our bones, or people know that we don't patch well enough or like we've built our security program so poorly that we have all these vulnerabilities, you know, people would shame us for it. But I don't know, like if everyone did it and we all shared information, like we'd be better for it. But it really just takes that one really brave InfoSec professional. I don't know if we have enough of them.
0: Well, I'm one of them. I've actually got clearance from my board last week to share more information publicly. Since I don't list the name of my company, none of them cared. And even in my LinkedIn, I put it as confidential. Yeah. And all of our vendors are signed on NDA, so they can't even say what what company I work for. All right. So um, I'm now going to start doing more sharing of stuff we find as we go along in the in the hopes that it promotes other people to do the same. Hmm. Even if it's under a confidential thing. So Sissos could literally reach out to me and tell me this stuff and I would share it on without even letting him know I could make it my own attribute as far as, as far as anyone's concerned. Um, And
1: Lord knows it is like a weight off your chest when you actually do that. Like whenever I talk to auditors, I'm like, Oh, finally I get to talk about this stuff. Like I'm not, it's not just a secret for that. I know, but once I start like basically just telling people and uh, you know, telling all my secrets and sins uh, you know, it feels better. So at that point it would help.
0: But is it secret or sins or is it just that cybersecurity is really hard?
1: Oh, Yeah, it is. You're not alone. That's the thing. Like sometimes we feel really alone and keeping all these secrets and we're supposed to keep these secrets, but at the end of the day, we need help. Like we can't just do this on our own. And if we're just trying to figure this stuff out alone, like that's what really attributes to the burnout that we see.
0: Yeah. We see, we see a ton of challenges when it comes to that kind of stuff from burnout to um, the weight on the shoulder. I think I saw a survey that said like 70% of CISOs and Medicaid in some way or another.
1: Where did you hear that? Come on.
0: Um, It was something that I saw on LinkedIn.
1: Oh, okay.
0: (laughs) It was something I saw on LinkedIn where they said like, like 70 or 80% of CISOs and Medicaid, some with alcohol, some with prescription, some with, you know, weed.
1: Oh my God. Where they
0: just like the pressure and the amount of stress that comes with the job. A lot of times Mm -hmm. is very difficult. And, that takes a toll on people and and it's true that's what bleeds to burnout by the way i mean burnout comes directly from the fact that people just aren't able to really express themselves
1: Ooh. and you know we're probably introverted in the first place so it's like even when we want to say something we have nobody close enough to actually listen to us Oh, we have so many issues, James. Where should we start? And that's why my cyber couch idea should really work. You know, well,
0: yeah, I like the idea of the cyber couch. I've I've been a long supporter of, you know, for those listening, maybe maybe we'll do like a like a secret um like a like a kind of an offshoot kind of thing where if you're interested in cyber couch, just reach out to me or Naomi <laughs> on LinkedIn, um, you know, or through YouTube. You can just DM me DM yes. us. And it's not a
1: real thing, but if we, if it was, we'd get like a licensed psychologist to listen to all our- Well, we can
0: always bring Dr. Dan.
1: Oh, that's a good point. But it would have to be anonymous and confidential, so- Right. Well,
0: we would do an anonymous Zoom, no cameras. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. You can write
0: a different yeah. name. You can mm-hmm. write a different display name if you're uncomfortable sharing.
1: Yeah, Alex Azar, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Alex Azar, yeah. you know, departing <laughs> <laughs> HHS secretary. Uh, <laughs>
1: he hasn't resigned yet. Okay
0: no he has not resigned yet i don't think <sighs> uh i don't think anyone who's dealing with the health of our nation should resign no matter what at this point um yeah.
1: stick it through man how, how about stick more, through? Like- there, there's
0: like nine days left like literally there's nine days left like all the people that were resigning to me were just virtue signaling like write this out like come on now like two uh, weeks left in the administration, just right out the last two weeks, mm-hmm. your name's forever associated to begin with. That's like, yeah. like, I don't yeah, know. your two
1: That's weeks true. notice wasn't a bit long enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the cyber couch, I think would be a wonderful idea. We can get the weight off our chest. We can confess our sins. Right. Uh, and then once you do it, actually, it feels really good. Your soul just is lifted and uh, it's confidential and anonymous. So you are just saying, Hey, we have these vulnerabilities and, uh, I just want to say it. Right. And you can complain about them and be like, why? Why doesn't the engineering team fix this? Uh, well, first of all, it's probably because you are terrible at communicating and at influencing. So that's one thing. But at least you can like complain and somebody's there to listen and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. You know, that psychologists would do their magic. And we need that. Cyber couch. We,
0: we do need that on Cyber couch. Um, th- th- we need it desperately. Because I think as sisos, like you said, we're introverts, we're isolated. We share within small groups, right? So we look at um, even like our own Slack channels or, or Discord or, or whatnot. Like the the sharing there is predominantly meme based, <laughs> and and while memes help some people. Um, they they don't always they don't always help you on a personal level
1: Yeah. The memes are great for like a singular laugh. And then, you know, you're back to work and you're like, oh, that was nice. It's kind of like when you go to the water cooler when we're all back in the office back in the day, you know, Uh, and then you would like meet at the water cooler just really quickly. And someone tells a funny story right about their weekend. And then you walk away with this like temporary high about like, oh, wow, yeah, humanity is amazing. And I love working here and everyone's really cool. And then like reality kicks in five minutes later and like you lose that entire buzz. Yeah. So like that, that little temporary high is just that little kick of I guess endorphins or, or something where you feel connected with somebody and like a human and you're like, you know, I'm a people person. Uh, but then you go back to your desk and all of a sudden you're back to that whole like <laughs> introversion, uh, you know, working alone, uh, burnout, all that stuff. So yeah, there's, a, if there's a way to just keep up this whole like feeling of community within the InfoSec worlds, uh, that would be amazing. And I think people would pay for it, James. So anyone listening, there's a money making opportunity right here.
0: Yes, there is. Well, we'll see. What are your predictions for 2021, Naomi? What do you see 2021 being?
1: Oh, yeah. A really good segue, James. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I I did a little talk recently about privacy being kind of the next big thing for InfoSec. And I know traditionally InfoSec and privacy have like their own little worlds. But increasingly what we're seeing is this cross and this connection, this bridge between InfoSec really having more uh, responsibility oversight of privacy. And, you know, at a minimum, a lot more working together. So if you have a separate privacy program and a privacy team within your company and an InfoSec team, InfoSec program, you're going to just see this cross-collaboration a lot more in 2021 um, because there's going to be a lot more oversight from the governments in terms of privacy. And I think I saw uh, some Forbes or, or, or Gartner, you know, Magic Quadrant, but uh, it was essentially it was this research that was done. They're like about 60% of the world's population will eventually be covered by at least one privacy law. So right now that number is in like the low teens or maybe 10%, but in about five to 10 years, it will be about 60% of the world's population and greater, greater numbers as uh, the future holds. So like more and more privacy laws will be in effect. People will be expected to follow them. And good news, I think the citizens of the world will start to expect privacy as a human right, as a God given natural human right. And, and it's one of those, like, you know, freedom to live, or freedom to not be persecuted and tortured, and like all that kind of stuff. What word am I looking for, James? It's like your human rights. Well,
0: freedom of speech, freedom of, to practice any religion you choose, your freedom to be, uh, to pursue and live your life the way you want to live it, and the exactly. freedom to have some privacy from.
1: That's what it is. So I think in 2021, we're gonna start seeing a lot more of that pushback from the citizens of the world asking their governments and their local jurisdictions, they're like, why aren't we covered by these privacy laws? Why is it up to the the companies to sell our data and resell our data and make money off of us? And we have no say of where this data is going and the decisions that are being made because of that data that's being sold. Like think about it, James, like if you're trying to buy a house right now and I know you have all this money so you probably don't need this, but say you were trying to go and get a mortgage, right? And how does the mortgage companies do it? Well, they don't manually go and research you anymore. They actually, they get data brokers to package you up and be like, I wonder what James is all about. And they like calculate a score about, but all that, all that data that goes into that score is based off of like your social media use and like your health score, like your, your health insurance, like all the usage that you've had in the past, different things. And it all bundles you up and be like, James is a very high risk of defaulting on his mortgage. So denied. Right. And obviously you have you're like a billionaire. So James, you, just, you don't have to worry about this. But other people who are like just starting to get get a job, get, try to build a house, you know, buy, build a family, buy a home, you know, raise kids. And then all of a sudden they go to, was it rocketmortgage.com or something similar? And they apply and all of a sudden it's like, oh, denied within five seconds because of freaking companies that sell our data and resell our data and make these automatic decisions about people.
0: So um, shameless plug, my Goodbye Privacy podcast, Data Brokers, an entire episode that I did just on that, where data brokers do, you know, it's a $150 billion a year industry. When I covered it two years ago, it's now.
1: It's in the probably, 400s now. I think. Yeah, I did yeah, the same it's, research.
0: It's like four or $500 billion. Yeah. The only state that has any regulation in terms of data brokers is Vermont. Uh, literally um, it's, it's mind boggling that the state of Vermont and, and it's not even, it's not even the fact that they make you register. The the only thing they make you do is register in the state as a data broker. If you have data on citizens and residents who live in Vermont,
1: I did not know about that law.
0: So you don't like, there's no way for you to opt out. Of these companies collecting your data you have no rights of those companies collecting your data and i'll tell you something funny i got a i got a message from a friend of mine yesterday and it i was sitting here and i just laughed my tail off i'm gonna read it to you guys it's slightly wrong lo- but it plays right into what you were saying it, it starts off with saying ordering a pizza in 2022 the caller calls is this pizza hut no sir it's google pizza I must have dialed the wrong numbers. Sorry. No, sir. Google bought Pizza Hut last month. Okay. I'd like to order a pizza. Google, do you want your usual, sir? My usual, you know me. According to our caller ID data sheet, the last 12 times you called, you ordered an extra large pizza with three cheeses, sausage, pepperoni, mushrooms, and meatballs on a thick crust. The caller, super, that's what I'll have. Google, may I suggest that this time you order a pizza with ricotta, arugula, sun-dried tomatoes, and olives on a whole wheat gluten-free thin crust? What? I don't want a vegetarian pizza. Your cholesterol is not good, sir. How the hell do you want that? Well, we cross-reference your home phone number with your medical records, and we have the result of your blood test for the last seven years. Okay, I don't want your rotten vegetarian pizza. I already take medication for my cholesterol. Excuse me, sir, but you have not taken your medication regularly. According to our database, you purchased only a box of 30 cholesterol tablets once at Lloyd's pharmacy four months ago. I bought more from another pharmacy. That doesn't show on your credit card statements. I paid in cash, but you didn't withdraw enough cash according to your bank statements. I have other sources of cash. That doesn't show on your latest tax returns unless you bought them using an undeclared income source, which is against the law. The caller, what the hell? I'm sorry, sir. We use such information only with the sole intention of helping you. <laughs> Caller, enough already. I'm sick to death of Google, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and all the sorts. I'm going to an island without internet TV where there's no phone service and no one will watch me or spy on me. Google, I understand, sir, but you need to renew your passport first. It expired six months ago.
1: Oh, my God. I love that. And you think that won't happen, but I'm telling you that is that the is, way we're going there. You know, give it three or four years, but everything will be like that.
0: Well, um, I mean, think of uh, uh, you know, like if you use Uber Eats, people that have used Uber Eats in the last, you know, since the pandemic has started to get food, like the algorithm in Uber Eats, like already knows. Oh, it's Tuesday. He's probably going to order tacos. Let's list all the Mexican restaurants. And by the way. A very interesting study that was done by a bunch of university kids here in Georgia, they actually played with the Uber Eats algorithm and they realized your patterns. And then based on those patterns, they would increase the delivery charge on the days you typically order tacos, or yeah. on the days you typically order Chinese food, or on the days you ordered pizza. So on Thursday, if you typically order pizza, pizza would be three ninety nine, but on Tuesday the pizza would be one
1: ninety nine. Wow, that's almost genius. And I mean, evil. go capitalism, dang.
0: Right? And evil in a way.
1: Evil capitalism, right? But then go well, on. No, no, capitalism is
0: an evil. It's that manipulation of data
1: mm-hmm. for
0: profit mm-hmm. that's evil.
1: It yeah. is. And it's using us as you know the source of all that data. And we don't see any money from that. Did you get your data check in the mail, James?
0: I, I don't get a data check it, in the mail. No
1: one gets a data check. So well, let's just see. Like uh, you know, we have to start making it a little harder for these tech companies to do all this really, really easy stuff with our data. And that's what I'm thinking. 2021 is just going to be the start of that. You'll see a wave of reform. Hopefully, it won't start in America. Well, but it will. It most,
0: it will. There's hoping. a federal data privacy bill that's been written. It's on its fourth iteration. It has bipartisan support.
1: Is it out of committee though?
0: Um, it's out of com- It's it's had four iterations through committees.
1: Okay, so it's so on the floor.
0: It should be introduced on the floor in February great, or great. or March of this year. Um, it had bipartisan support. We now need a uh, Republican senator because the Republican senator that was supporting the bill was Cory Gardner out of Colorado, mm-hmm. and he lost to Hickenlooper. So, oh, wow. um, so now we're you know obviously with everything going on, it's, it's this really isn't the time we'll we'll approach a Republican senator. Uh, to sponsor the bill here. Here shortly. I know that yeah. there's a few senators, uh, Republican, that I've spoken with, and their staffers that have said that they'd love to co-sponsor the bill. Um,
1: All your representatives, and- folks, you're listening. You, you're a part of this democracy. Don't just wait for every four years for an election. Like you need to call your representatives. If you don't know right. their number, look it up. Like you just write an email. They, they read them sometimes
0: they do they their, their staffers read them
1: they, they do and they catalog it they tell you you know what you wrote about and so so they at least get a number from you right but like if you're complaining about what t- tech companies are doing with our data and like what the governments are doing with our data like you need to say something you can't just complain about it on twitter no literally nobody cares when you got your 100 followers like you need to make your voice heard call your representatives that's what they're there for
0: yeah i mean i think one one aspect of cyber that's really I think a lot of people need to start kind of wrapping their heads around is the NTSC does a great job of getting the voice of the system heard on the Hill. And there's a bunch of new organizations that are springing up and and starting to lobby to get the voice of cybersecurity on the Hill. The challenge we've always had with laws and regulation on the Hill is typically the people promoting it are the companies that profit from it and not the people that actually use it. Hmm. So for example, when the they wanted to do a cybersecurity law, they would invite people from Symantec and McAfee, right, and like IBM Security. And while those people are smart and great folks, um, they're going to promote something that supports their work and not necessarily that of the practitioner. Like the data breach notification bill that we've been trying to push for three years, three years to promote a federal data breach notification bill so that way, you no longer have to go to 50 AGs. You can go to the FTC, file, notify the FTC of your breach, and deal with one point of contact. 60% of data breach costs is lawyers. 60% of data breach cost is attorneys.
1: Well, I should be an attorney then. I think that's what you're saying, right?
0: Yeah, lawyers make money. Um, yeah, a
1: lot of money, apparently. Yeah.
0: Right? but. But, but they, they, because there's so much, we got to report to this AG and we got to report to this AG and this state has this set of rules and this state has this set of rules, right? So the legal fees are insane. So if you have one body to report to, which is, you know, the FTC, it takes away that cost, right? It eats up at it. So it gives you more budget to really fix cyber hmm. and not really pay for lawyers, To fix the legal problem.
1: Hmm. Well, can I ask you, what's your insurance right now? Your coverage for cyber? We
0: we have a multi underwriter insurance policy. I won't say the amount, but Mm -hmm. you can imagine that if it's multiple underwriters, it's a large enough policy for us. Um, You know, it's it's in then eight figures.
1: Oh wow! Yeah, that's a lot higher than I thought. Yeah. Well, I just wonder what the average is because if you're saying 60% go to the lawyers, right? You know, what is our insurance actually really paying for? Um can we spend it in it before a breach would happen? Like is there any way we can take some of that money and just like preemptively improve security? And therefore somehow take, I don't know how insurance works, obviously. But you would think like, hey, I want to make my my company better. At least chop off some of my premium. Like do something.
0: So right? several underwriters who know what they're doing will look at your actual security practices and policies and tools and give you a discount on specific aspects of what you do um based on some of your security posture and the smart vendors will typically try to work with insurance companies to get you a discount so like i have one vendors who just for having them installed in my environment i get a five percent discount off my premium which is great right and i like the vendor so i use them um and there's other vendors where I have to introduce them and explain to the underwriters sometimes like who they are.
1: All so, right.
0: I mean, so 2021, I, I think it's going to be the year for cyber insurance. FYI. Oh, okay.
1: your because, prediction uh, Because is of what's insurance.
0: going on in ransomware, right? Mm-hmm. So insurance companies can't keep paying ransomware attacks. Like eventually that well's going to run dry.
1: <laughs> Get your backups in. People start to wise up, you know,
0: Well, I mean, we're seeing that uh, this morning. um, I saw a report in ZDNet where they said that some ransomware gangs are now uh, plugging in on the execs of the company Mm -hmm. and downloading their computer data and going through that data to find anything incriminating on those executives to pressure them to pay the ransom.
1: Oh, so it's like blackmail plus ransomware. Wow. Right, right. It's, it's, it's ransomware
0: with the addition of blackmail on the most sensitive people in the organization that make mm-hmm. the decisions.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm starting to feel like these criminals know what they're doing. <laughs> they're not They dumb.
0: communicate better than we do.
1: You're right.
0: They communicate they're better right. than we do. They develop t- – I mean, if you ever go to any dark web forum and you spend – like I think every CISO – should take a CTI course and should spend a few hours a week with their CTI team going through some of the dark web spots, mm-hmm. looking at some of that intel, seeing how those things run, because that's critical for you in your role. Yeah. Critical.
1: Agreed. Agreed.
0: Do you, do you find – I know you work with a small team, but you're – I will say this, as, as we look at 2021, let me ask you this. I kind of want to go back to what we started with, because I know we have a hard stop in a few minutes. So I want to take advantage of the time we have left um, with the hashtag InfoSecHires, because this is episode 100, and I want to end it on a good note, because to me, 2021, you're right, it's going to be about privacy, it's going to be about cyber insurance, it's like this whole idea of working from home and all that, that's done, that's passe, We're we're used to it living with COVID, there's going to be a a a sense of return to normalcy not a new normal there's a sense of return to normalcy we're already seeing it so now let's focus on two things let's focus on one jobs Hmm. right um as a ciso what would you tell other cisos about hiring that you've learned In the month you've been doing resume reviews, in the month you've been speaking to candidates who have a hard time breaking in, what are some of the things that maybe we're not hearing but you're hearing that you can share with all of us?
1: Yeah. I'm glad you asked this, James. I've posted about this before, and it seemed to get a lot of positive feedback, but just give someone a chance. Look beyond their resume. I know you're looking at a lot of resumes and I certainly do too. So when I see a resume, my first initial reaction is like, I hate this resume. You know, I just look at the words on the page. I don't really look beyond that. I don't read between the lines. And I think if we actually stop to see how much effort this person put in to better themselves and learn security on their own, when you start painting a picture of a full person, that's when you start realizing that they, this person can be an asset on your team. And if you can imagine where you started way in the beginning, and this is certainly true when I started, but we never had a cyber or a cybersecurity master's programs. Like we had to learn everything on our own. But in my case, someone had to teach me. Someone mentored me, sent me to SANS, sent me to conferences, sent me to boot camps. Like I got all that training on the dime of the company I work for. Just because somebody saw something in me and it's like that person really has a thirst for this, a real hunger to learn cybersecurity. And I'm just going to give her a chance. And that's what happened. That's why I'm here, because someone gave me a freaking chance and I'll never be able to like thank that person. enough. his name is Anthony Kanicki. He gave me my first chance. And just because I asked for it. So it kind of is like a two part thing where you have to give someone a chance, but that person really has to step out of their shoes, go beyond their resume, and start finding ways to be visible for hiring managers and for recruiters. Because right now we're not meeting each other anywhere. It's more like don't like you resume, but we're not really seeing the full person. We're not getting the full picture of somebody. Uh, we need to come back to a level of humanity where we understand that we are not just here to get jobs. We are not units of economic output. We're not just here to like make money for companies. We are here to make people better. Like improve the world, do something more than yourself. So that's what I'm kind of leaving on. I know it's a little existential, but
0: um. it's (laughs) it's not, it's actually, it's, it's a really good point. Um, one thing I am going to take from our last, um, CISO Thursday that I've now put on every single job posting we're doing is I want a two minute video intro with every CV. And I think that's great if every CISO did that. Like, think if every CISO jumped on board and said, Hey, every job candidate that wants a job, I'm not going to just look at your paper CV. Give me a two minute elevator pitch as to why I should consider you for the job I'm looking to fill.
1: Hmm. You mean like a video uh, resume thing or something else? I don't you want a video com-
0: resume. I want to I- hear why you think you can do for what you can do for my company and what you can do with my team. Like that's what I care about, yeah. Right. Okay. So if you if you, if everyone did that, think about it. When you wanna, um, uh, when you when you wanna try out for reality TV, you do a two minute head reel, right? When you wanna be an actress, a model, you do a video.
1: Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Are you a model, James? I didn't I'm know this. Okay. I'm not.
0: I, I, I'm not. But th- th- beyond the point, I'm not a model. This face could never be a model. Uh, it's more for radio. It's it's a radio face for sure. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's a radio face and buried deep in the trenches of YouTube. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who cares? It's good content. it Will be found.
0: <laughs> but but the aspect of doing a two minute private video gives you the ability to really express yourself and also to show creativity. So think of the people that would like highlight, this is my home lab, right? And they're holding their phone and they're showing you their home lab and they're talking about the stuff they're doing. How much that's never in the CV.
1: Right. It's so two dimensional. Like, yeah, get yourself off the page. It's show
0: 21. Yeah. things on like Instagram and Snapchat and Yes. And, 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 you know, like in YouTube and Vimeo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, do a two minute and attach it in your cover letter. We
1: could totally automate this too. Like, so you, you hit submit, right? Your resume, you hit submit. And then the ATS system like realizes you have, you have high potential. You meet most of the things. And then it asks you via like a text message. to would be like, Hey, just text a really quick video of yourself talking about this role to this number. Right. And then all of a sudden you're just going to get more and more information about this person. I could totally see that. Build it in there. So easy.
0: Right. Or put it in the cover page. So, at least the HR manager can look at this person and be like, oh, wow, you know what? Naomi's going to love this guy. Or girl. Or girl. Yeah. I mean, guy in like plural, right? Not not in a gender specific way.
1: And I'll tell you, like, for some reason, when it comes to resumes, like, I'm okay with clicking on random links. Like, I'm okay with it. Uh, so I click, you know, I go and I go to the GitHubs and I go to like their YouTube. I know it's terrible, <laughs> hey, but if I trust the source, Virus Total. So <laughs> I go in there and I uh, I like clicking on the GitHubs and like I'll just. Uh, this one person's uh, resume that I reviewed had like an extraordinary amount of just work that she's done and a paper that she wrote for school and like just like mounds of information. And she'd been contributing to her GitHub for like months and months, but nowhere was it within like her resume. And I'm just like, oh, like, this is not, it's hurting you, man. If you're putting all this information and no one can find it, like, dude, just hurting yourself. So there's like a need for better resume writing almost or just a way to like let's reinvent let's
0: reinvent resume, resume submissions.
1: yeah this is let's change. reinvent
0: it i have I have startup idea now um idea number two mm. start a video platform for job seekers
1: actually i had an idea for that too it's just like it's like really micro vlogging micro vlogging it's just yeah. like it's kind of like TikTok, but not really, but like a professional TikTok, you know. Like,
0: I would buy Vine and extend the video. Like, I'd go mm-hmm. to Vine and be like, Hey, you guys shut down. Is your infrastructure still alive?
1: <laughs> DNS is still out there. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, we're almost out of time, folks. So, Naomi, thank you for joining our 100th episode. I know this wasn't our traditional episode for our listeners, but it's Nonetheless, a fun one. Naomi's always a blast. You can catch us every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Join us. time.
1: Thanks, James. Join on us.
0: LinkedIn for Ooh. the CISO Thursday with the magnificent super recruiter, Renee Small and Chris Falon, who's just awesome, awesome people. Mm-hmm. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for all your support over the last 100 episodes. I am forever grateful. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to share this podcast. We'll be back next week episode 101 with the one the only um richard rushing the sister over at motorola mobility folks so uh it'll be a really really fun episode you won't want to miss it richard is just a trove of information so you'll want to subscribe tune into that sys talk every wednesday drop it at 2 p.m eastern standard time so you can tune in then until then folks thanks so much for tuning in thanks so much for listening and stay cyber safe Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues and get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com.